0: And now, Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris Everything is in context My mother used to, she would give us a hard time sometimes And she would say to us I don't know what's wrong with you young people You think you just fell out of a coconut tree? (laughs) You exist in the context Of all in which you live and what came before you This has been Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. Stew does America
1: to tv.com and help us push back against the rapid unscheduled disassembly of america use the promo code stew and save 10 bucks if you're watching on youtube uh, like do us a favor just like the video right now subscribe to the channel drop a comment below it helps the algorithm robots feel satisfied with themselves chuck holton from newsmax is going to join us uh, from the border uh, near el paso with the latest on the migrant crisis brewing there. I might actually talk about George Santos today, maybe for a second. I make no promises, but I might happen to touch on that for a little bit. But we start by doing the end of Title 42. Yes, the end of Title 42. You know, it was interesting seeing Donald Trump on CNN last night, and we kind of got a reminder of what that experience was like. We'll get into that a little bit later, probably as well. But, you know, what was interesting is if you are a border policy nerd, and I know, I know there's a few of you out there you're weirdos, and that's okay. That's, we, we, we have a large gathering of weirdos here in this particular audience. And if you're a border policy nerd, you looked at the Trump presidency as one with a lot of potential, but policy-wise, you didn't get an awful lot out of it. What you did get was a tone, a tone setting by the president that said, you know what, we're not really excited about illegal immigrants crossing the border. We'd rather not have that happen. He was very, very clear about that. When he started and became president, the numbers dropped through the floor. Now, that didn't last forever because just words will only carry you uh, so far. We got some policy improvements, but you know, like we really talked a lot about the wall. We didn't really get the wall. We got a little bit of a wall, a little bit of a wall, but we didn't get the whole wall. We didn't get all the policies that maybe we wanted as border hawks, if you happen to be one. Um, but what we did get is a difference in tone and that tone is not nothing. It's, you know, a lot of times words are just empty words, but that's not the case when you're talking about incentives and people coming from foreign lands to cross the border. Trump kept saying, look, bottom line is we don't want you crossing the border illegally. Now we get into the 2020 election and what do you do if you're Joe Biden? Well, you have to take the other side of that, right? You have to be on the other side and you have to tell the American people over and over again that we want people here. These are good people. They're coming here for jobs and we love them and they should come and they should be uh, helped and this should be humane and all these wonderful things. And you make it sound so wonderful that you can understand why people think you don't care if that border exists. If you're in Mexico, you're in Guatemala, you're in uh, you know uh, El Salvador, you wanna to come to the Amer- America, you see our president on television talking about how he's going to do uh, other things, he's gonna allow you in. Well, of course you think you can come. And that's why we had such a change. Let me just give you a perspective. Let me just show you the border crossings. These are the apprehensions from uh, Trump's presidency into Biden's presidency. And you see the very clear line here. Trump's were very, very low under 50,000 all the way up to 2019. This is 50,000 per month. Had that one spike in 2019 up to 130,000 for only one month. And then it fell way back down, fell super low during the pandemic, rose back to about 60 000 or 70,000 before Biden uh, took over. But look at the difference since Biden took over. It went up and up and up and up across 150,000 in his third month, up over 200,000 in his eighth month. And it stayed over 200,000, mostly since then, peaking at over 250,000 in a month. That's unheard of. It's not just unheard of for Donald Trump, is unheard of for Barack Obama. This has been a uh, an administration that has failed miserably on the border, and even... It's been a failure, even though he had Title 42 in place. Title 42 is a COVID era Trump uh, doctrine that basically says, look, if you come across the border, we're, gonna, we're not going to have a big process here. We're going to send you right back home when we catch you, because you might be spreading COVID here. Made a lot of sense in you know, early 2020. Uh, doesn't make much sense now as a COVID uh, policy, but it's interesting seeing what's happening right now. For a very long time, we've been told people are going to pour across the border when Title 42 goes away. The media has been telling us this. Conservatives have been telling us. Liberals have been telling us this. We've really agreed on this for a long time. Now, what's interesting here, now we're having a situation where border crossings are spiking before Title 42 goes away, which, by the way, is at midnight tonight. Spike in U.S.-Mexico border, border crossings fuels political tensions as Title 42 ends. It's kind of strange. Um, and You'd think to yourself, okay, well, they're coming over before, but maybe they're giving it a shot one last time. They they can always cross over afterward as well. We are seeing a big reaction from the White House, at least an outward reaction under pressure. Homeland Security is surging resources to the border as Title 42 ends. Again, a consistent message. We know that people are going to be rushing to the border around this period. We could see a major explosion here. Now, this is happening not just at the border, but all across the country. Cities are having these issues as well. Kathy Hochul in New York has issued an emergency order for their migrant crisis. Um, Now, we're talking about New York, which is, you might know, not on the southern border. But, of course, there have been some buses that have popped up into New York from places like Texas and Arizona previously and also Florida. And, you know, we get 50,000 in a day down here in texas and nobody bats an eye but you gosh god forbid you get a bus and a half up in new york oh it's a state of emergency now adams mayor adams has been critical of the biden policies on the border because he's kind of felt the other side of it as we've been bussing people up there from texas and florida and now adams has been tossed from the realm of biden he's just apparently not biden friendly enough He says, Adams no longer a Biden surrogate after blasting White House on migrants. New York City Mayor Eric Adams has said the president failed the city by mishandling the asylum seeker crisis, which of course is true. But we have a party here and a president that is allergic to truth. So he doesn't want to hear that. Can't take any even uh, criticism that's constructive. Can't take any of it. Um, Now, Lori Lightfoot has had the same situation go on. She is also had another state of emergency over the influx of illegal immigrants sent by Texas Governor Abbott. I can't stress this enough. We're talking about a couple of buses here, a few thousand people in a city like Chicago. They should be able to handle this without even thinking about it. If, if border cities down here that are tiny can handle thousands and thousands a day, why can't Chicago handle a few thousand in a month? That's kind of unclear. They have massive budgets. It just seems like, I don't know, maybe their people don't really want this to happen. Let me show you, uh, let me take you inside. Um, this is a Chicago um, uh, local uh, meeting here talking about some migrants, just a few, coming into town. Look at how the people of Chicago react.
0: What's important is that we really establish that this is a humanitarian crisis and we're here. <laughs> South Shore residents responded with resounding rejection. While this crisis may
2: constitute an emergency for the city of Chicago, it does not constitute an emergency for the South Shore community.
0: Incoming migrants have overwhelmed district police stations by the hundreds. It's my turn, it's my turn, hello. But city leaders could barely eke out a word of the details about a proposed respite center at the former South Shore High School.
2: When it comes to the total number of people at South Shore at any given point in time, it is fluid. We'd start with 250, 500. How could you do that without consulting us? I am concerned with safety in the area.
1: I mean, these people are pissed. And again, we're talking about 250 migrants. Every place down on the border is getting thousands every day, and they don't. no one seems to care at all. It's really fascinating to watch. It's interesting to watch the buildup to the lifting of Title 42, which again happens tonight at midnight. For months and months and years, we've been told this is going to be this explosion of people coming across the border. The the White House has known this. They've talked about it. Yet all of a sudden, as we approach this day, we're suddenly seeing a bizarre sort of reversal. And you have to wonder if part of the plan here is to alleviate this giant rush of people crossing tomorrow by having them cross earlier before Title 42 actually happens. This isn't a solution to the problem. It's a way to... Uh, manage the crisis it's a way to manage the PR for the crisis and you can tell by the media reporting who again have been telling us for two years this is going to be a huge flood of illegal immigrants or asylum seekers crossing the border And now all of a sudden there's all these reports out there about the exact opposite. You know what, maybe it might be harder to come over after Title 42. Maybe people would find it to be easier coming over before. I don't know where we're getting that from. Gee, it couldn't be the White House, could it? That would be, I know, really, really stunning. And you'd think, well, what evidence do you have of coordination between these migrant crossings before Title 42 goes away and uh, the Biden administration? And I don't have much other than the fact that uh, someone actually witnessed it happening. Um, I witnessed Biden officials helping people come into the country illegally. This is in the New York Post. And it's a fascinating story uh, from Todd Bensman. He joined us on the radio show as well today. He said a group of maybe 100 or 150 people would get up as though they were in response to a signal. And then there was a pause followed by a little little while another group. So I I asked the Mexican immigration officials, is he on the Mexican side of the border? Uh, What was going on? They told me something shocking. They said their superiors were coordinating with U.S. officials on when to let legal illegal immigrants cross the river. Biden's DHS wanted to make sure they were finished processing the batch of migrants before the next batch came across to make the whole process look less chaotic and newsworthy. To achieve that, they were collaborating with Mexican officials through an encrypted social media chat room on when to allow the next group to cross. As Todd says, this goes beyond just acquiescing to illegal immigration. It's facilitating it. And of course, that's blatantly true. Now we've been told that the administration has had two years to plan for this day they probably should be able to come up with some orderly solution to what's about to happen here. But that does not seem to be the case. Just ask, you know, Joe Biden.
2: So, but it remains to be seen. It's going to be chaotic for a while. Oh,
1: good! you've had two years to prepare and it's going to be chaotic for a while. That's it's a perfect solution. Now, there is some something there uh, to the people who are saying it could be harder after Title 42 goes down. Uh, Title 42 basically allowed them to deport people immediately when they came over without any real hearing or anything. Just get them back there. We don't wanna deal with COVID. You gotta go back to your side of the border. The problem with that is it did not have any penalties attached. So if someone crosses the border, they get caught, they get sent back, Two days later, they cross again. The same thing just happens again. And they can keep trying over and over and over and over again. Biden is going back to a former policy that has some teeth in it, although those teeth are never really seemingly applied. For example, if you are deported uh, or you lose your asylum case, you have to be out of the country for five years before you come back in, or there could be some real penalties. But the, the odds of these penalties happening are very, very low. Uh, Now, Title 42 is going away. Title 8 is is in the immigration spotlight ahead of Title 42's expiration. Basically, Title 42 goes away. Title 8 is the standing policy from before that. That goes into place. But the Biden administration has built in all sorts of exceptions to the rule. Now, first of all, they're going to begin what they're calling safe street releases. Now, I don't know what a safe street release is exactly. I assume it means they don't drop them in the middle of a highway. I don't know what this means. Uh, they're not in oncoming traffic. I don't know. What this basically means, a safe street release, is when they run out of room for illegal immigrants to be housed, they just drop them off at like bus stops and gas stations and supermarkets and then cross their fingers. Good luck, everybody. See you in a couple of years when your hearing is ready to go. Just completely insane. That is a problem right there. Now, Biden administration is allowing for the release of some migrants into the U.S. with no way to track them. Again, this is from friendly media sources who are telling us this is going to happen in advance. They're like, we already know this is going to go really poorly. How about we just like release them and hope they come back later? We have no way of really keeping track of them. That's kind of a problem, isn't it? Now, they have all sorts of bizarre exceptions here. Um, One of them, and one of the changes in the rules, you might look at and say, this is actually a good change. And I actually do think it's a good change. The concept is, if you come from a third country, not Mexico, not the U.S., but a third country, uh, let's say you start in Guatemala, you cross through uh, Mexico, and then you come to the U.S. border, you can't apply for asylum in the U.S., you have to apply in Mexico. It makes sense, right? Asylum is supposed to be, I'm terrified of my own country. I've made it to a new country. I need some help. I need to stay here. Okay, well, you came into Mexico. Maybe you just kind of stay there, right? Well, there's all sorts of problems with this, of course, the way this is going to be handled, because Mexico can just reject it immediately, and then they come to our border, and there's an easy way past that. But throw that out for a minute. That's actually a good policy. It's also a policy that Donald Trump put in. This is a policy that was something that Donald Trump put in. And if you remember back in 2020, there was somebody who had a real problem with that policy. This is the first president in the history of the United States of America that anybody seeking asylum
2: has to do it in another country. That's never happened before in America. Mm, Yeah,
1: no. It was a terrible idea back in 2020. Now, of course, Joe Biden is implementing it, but maybe his out here mentally, if he has any mental abilities at this point, is to give himself an out because he's got so many exceptions. For example, let's say you fly in from Guatemala to Miami. You fly in from Guatemala to Santa Fe. Well, guess what? That's totally different. There's an exception, and you'll be allowed in and not have to deal with that third country um, uh, uh, Mexican asylum uh, claim. Also, you might note, and I don't know if you're a geographer or not, but Mexico is directly south of the United States. It borders our country. So there is no country to cross to get to the U.S. border. Therefore, any Mexican uh, refugees uh, anyone who decides to come to the border and seeks asylum that way well they don't have any of these restrictions they can go and come just right in and go through the old timey process another exception and this one's really problematic let's just say there's a country that we don't have very good diplomatic relations with right now let me think of an example i don't know russia If someone from Russia, and by the way, there's a lot of people from Russia oddly crossing the Mexican border. I might be missing a land bridge somewhere, but seems like an odd route to get to the United States to go through Mexico from Russia. But people keep doing this. And here's the thing. We can't deport people back to Moscow very easily. We don't have any relations right now with the Russian government. So if a Russian comes across, we just let him in. Because we can't really fly them back. We can't fly them back to North Korea either or Iran. So we just kind of have to keep them. Does that sound like a good idea? Now, look, there are plenty of people in those countries that would be welcome residents here because they hate their regime as much as we do. But that's not everybody. And I'd be very suspicious of those situations going on. Also, another exception is if you show up to the border and you have children. Are you a family? Well, if you're a family, we can't just send you back. Of course not. Come on in. Now, what does this mean? Well, of course, this creates not only a situation where every family can can go to the border and come right in, but also creates a market for cartels to assign children to random people crossing the border. There becomes a creates a market for children on the other side of the border. You can't come in if you just happen to be a 30-year-old guy. But if you're a 30-year-old guy with an 8-year-old kid, you come right in. So, okay, now they're going to try that. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that uh, it's just walk right in and stay forever. They will assign you a court date at some point. They will assign you some sort of hearing date. You're supposed to show up for that. There's a lot of stuff that goes on there. But you're going to be in this country for a long time. This, This whole system is really, really backed up. And so you're going to go back and forth and back and forth for years before you have to deal with any of this. And of course, if you're shown to not be approved for the asylum claim, if you just self deport, you avoid all the penalties. That's a problem, too. So think about how this all plays out in the end. You cross the border and you get caught. And you say, "Uh, asylum. So you get released into the country with any of these exceptions, and then you get an asylum hearing date. Now, of course, you're probably not going to go to that asylum hearing because you're already living in the United States. You already have the thing that you want. But let's just say you go to that uh, hearing date. You go through that whole process and then they say, hey, sorry, you've lost. You're going to have to leave for five years. Well, of course, you could just self-deport and separate that. But let's just say you don't do that. You decide you're going to take the punishment. You're going to be deported and have to go for five years. Of course, by that time, you've already probably been in this country for five years. You've already been here. And you've already had the benefits of what you're looking at. And of course, after those five years are up, what is the left going to say? They're going to say, how can you deport these dreamers? These dreamers who have built a life here. They've been here for five whole years after all. And maybe they've had a child here and that child has never known anything other than living in the United States and blah, 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 blah. You see how this plays out. This is going to be a pathway to millions of people coming into this country that are not going about it the right way. Again, I want people here that do it the right way. I think it makes our country stronger. But when they don't do it the right way, when you start with your first action, your first step into this country's soil is an illegal act. Those are not the people that build a country and a civilization in the way that we're looking to build one. We need people who want to follow the law and come here and do things the right way. We're going to look at the border even closer. Coming up, Newsmax and his, the war correspondent Chuck Holton is going to be with us in just a second. No matter what you have going on this spring, Box of Awesome has you covered from camping gear essentials, cookout, must-haves, and drink game upgrades, Box of Awesome has collections for your everyday life. You go go get started. You take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome to you, and they release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. Each box is valued at around 70 bucks, but you always you only pay a fraction of that price. In fact, like I, I got this in my last box of awesome. This is an awesome cooler bag right here. Now, as a as a man who goes to 973 Little League games per year, having a great cooler you can bring with you is awesome. And by the way, I will say right in here, you can see that right there. Got the. Uh, Bottle opener slot right there. So I mean, look, you know, maybe if the game's a little boring, maybe you can have a couple of adult beverages while you're there. My point is, this is just part of a box of awesome. It's always more than seventy bucks. You can get twenty bu- uh, percent off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com. The value is great. It's a great gift as well. Mother's Day, Father's Day coming up. Che- use the code Stew at checkout. And get that twenty percent off. It's boxofawesome.com. The code is Stew. Twenty percent off your first box at boxofawesome.com. all right, let's see what's going on at the border right now bringing chuck holton he's the war correspondent for newsmax and he is down at the border chuck how's it going
2: good to see you too. it's been a very interesting couple of days down here when we got here the place was just overrun with migrants in downtown el paso the reason for that is that there's a church down there and if the migrants can go to, can get to that church they actually claim asylum from the asylum and the Border Patrol leaves them alone. They won't they won't bother them when they're in and around that church. If they step out of a like one block radius, then they can get picked up and carried to the processing center and forced to, to go through the process of, uh, you know, getting into the system. A lot of those people don't want to get into the system because they've already been kicked out of the United States multiple times, uh, been deported uh, for criminal acts and other things. And so uh, they're hoping to be able to melt into the U.S without having to go through the official process
1: Mm, it's really an amazing scene and i I have to say like you know you've covered wars uh, all across the globe you've done this for a long time and i can't help but feel like there's a pretty similar quality to what is going on at our border it doesn't look like america not that you know we have all sorts of people like it's not the way people look we're talking about uh, it looks like a third world country at times you know people We're used to diversity all over the place and that's great, but we're talking about just people who don't have homes, who seem to be here illegally, uh, who have no place to go, who are, as you mentioned, huddling around a church to try to evade authorities. This does not feel like the America we're used to.
2: Well, think about this. Uh, Most of the people that we've been talking to in this area come from Venezuela because the cartels, and in fact, in cooperation with the U.S. government, decide where the different people groups go. So if you go down to Reynosa, you have mostly Haitians, you come up here, you have mostly Venezuelans, the Chinese are more on the California, uh, Mexicali area. And so uh, the people we're talking to come from a socialist country. And even though their government is broken and can't provide for them, they've grown up under a system where the government is supposed to give you everything. It's supposed to give you your job, your house, your food, everything. And so they come here with that same mindset. They're looking for a government that works better, but they can't help but get out of that mindset of the government's supposed to give me everything. So they come here and they they just expect things to be given to them. And in fact, our government does a much better job of that than the socialist government of Venezuela does uh, because they have a lot of people like you and me that they can get money from uh, through our taxes to give it to them. So uh, one of the things that we're seeing is they are being – assigned a city once they go through the process of registration here in El Paso, the Border Patrol, the the Customs and Border Protection people assign them a city to go to. So we have people going to Denver, people going to uh, Boston, people going to New York, and uh, other places all around the United States. They're given a bus ticket and a uh, notice to appear, which might be years in the future. We've seen all the way out to 2026. Oh and God. then they're put on the bus and sent out. The, in this area though, it does look like a third world country. And part of that is just the, the crush of people is so many people. That's why El Paso has declared a state of emergency. And they've seen, I, when we were walking around in there, we were getting eaten alive by these, these mites and fleas, and there's lice and stuff all just crawling around where these people are sleeping they're using the bathroom in the you know every little nook and cranny people's houses. A lot of the people that live in that area are elderly, are on fixed incomes, and they're, they're basically prisoners in their own homes at this point because they can't get out their door because there are people sleeping and using the bathroom in their doorways. It's a really bad situation down there. But this morning when we got there, it was perfectly clean. There were no migrants around, everything had been cleaned up, and that's because the mayor of El Paso was coming for a visit. And so they came through literally with leaf blowers and cleaned everything up before he showed up, And then uh, let the migrants
1: back in after he left. Chuck, this is what North Korea does when they have when Cuba does when you have visitors. They clean it up so the press and the big politicians don't see the mess. That is not this is this is not a good sign. So what does this mean for these communities around the country? They're going to get bus loads. It doesn't seem like Chicago or New York can handle them. How can smaller cities take? hundreds and thousands of migrants showing up on their doorsteps with
2: nowhere to go. Well, imagine the the city of like Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is a fairly good sized city, 120,000 people, two of those every month, two cities of Fayetteville, North Carolina, moving into the United States without homes, without jobs, without food, without a place to stay, and trying to figure it out on the fly, uh, being busted into communities all around this country. That's what we're looking at here. The last two days, they've seen more than 10,000 people every day coming across the US border illegally. Uh, That's in anticipation of Title 42 going away. They say there's 150,000 people right over there across the border in Juarez, Mexico, waiting to rush the border tonight at midnight to come across, and so it's only gonna get worse And the Biden administration knows it. They are starting to panic. How do I know that? Because today, when we were out along the border, what we saw were construction companies frantically building sections of border wall in places where there wasn't a border wall after the Trump administration left office. Uh, we, We talked to some of those people doing the construction, and they said, You know, we were out here building the border wall when Trump was in office. We were told to stop as soon as Biden took office and all the construction materials have been rusting away out here in the desert ever since then. But now all of a sudden we're supposed to complete these sections of border wall because they're they're absolutely uh, afraid of the political fallout. You talk about the the person, the, the human cost. Let's talk about the political cost for the Biden administration of what's about to happen. And they know it. And so very quietly they're doing, even though they said border walls didn't work when Trump was in office. Now they're building those border walls with the materials that Donald Trump left behind. (laughs)
1: It really is remarkable. And I will say, too, like maybe this is the most surprising thing about this. In that the Biden administration, we know they don't care about a secure border. They've never cared about a secure border. Not for one minute in their entire li- in my entire life did I believe that they were going to do a good job on the border. But they do have a, 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 self, uh, a, a level of self-protection when it comes to politics. And uh, I don't think they see uh, scenes like what we've been seeing in El Paso as helpful to them the border has been a drag on Biden's poll numbers since the very beginning. He's been in the 30s and the 20s when it comes to border approval rating. So why, I mean, is it just pure incompetence? Why did they not prepare more for this?
2: No, it's absolute political theater. I just came from Neco Clee in Colombia, which is the jumping off point for migrants that are walking through the Darien Gap. And there's so much human misery down there. There's just the, again, the numbers just keep growing and keep growing to the point where they have more people coming through in a month than they normally had coming through in a year in record years in the last couple of years uh, counting. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what Mayorkas did because uh, a couple of journalist friends of mine, Ben Burkwam and Oscar Blue went down there and walked through the Darien Gap with the migrants, ended up getting in a firefight with a bunch of uh, cartel members and the policemen, off-duty policemen they had hired to protect them ended up killing some of those cartel members. And about a week later, Secretary Mayorkas was on the ground in Panama because the plight of these migrants, the misery that they're going through was put on full display because of the the firefight that happened down there. Mm. And so the left-wing groups, were upset with the Biden administration for not doing more about it. So Mallorca showed up, made this big speech that we're going to shut down this migrant pathway for 60 days, and we're going to open up new processing centers in Colombia, and we're going to pre-approve migrants to come into the U.S. and then fly them from Colombia directly into the heartland of the United States so that they don't have to go through this process. He made that big announcement, placated his NGO uh, you know, uh, supporters, and then He left and literally nothing has been done. There are still more people coming through the Darien Gap than there were last month and the month before that and nothing has been done. Whether or not they set up these migrant centers to fly people directly into the U.S. remains to be seen, but I'm gonna be on it if they do. Mm,
1: I mean, and I might point out, Chuck, that that's not a solution to the illegal immigration problem. Flying people in instead of having them cross the river is not a solution uh, to this problem. It's it's so frustrating. Um, I mean, honestly, you're talking about-
2: Pre-legalizing these illegal immigrants. That's what they're doing. They're just pre-legalizing them so that they can get them off the books so that it will look like the numbers of illegal crossings has gone down. Look what Corinne Jean-Pierre was saying, that illegal crossings are down 90%. That's an absolute lie. Mm-hmm. But what she was talking about was the numbers of Haitians, Cubans, Venezuelans, and Hondurans that have uh, been given parole sort of ipso facto ahead of time to come into the United States. And so they don't show up on the illegal crossings list because we pre-legalized them. So the numbers, they show the numbers going down 90%, but there's 120,000 people a month from those four countries coming into the United States legally. And so they don't have to count them as illegal.
1: Oh my, this is jaw dropping, Uh, Chuck. We have about one more minute here. Um, You you mentioned shootouts. I mean, this is what we're talking about. You need to be a war correspondent to cover this stuff at this point. All your travels around the world, have you ever seen a, a major industrialized country handle a situation like this?
2: Uh, no. I mean, as a matter of fact, small, non industrialized countries do a better job of what we're doing. And that's why it's absolutely clear that this is intentional. I was just in Armenia a couple of weeks ago, and they have a border with Iran. There are a lot of Iranians that are fleeing the regime there trying to get to Armenia because it's safe. And there's a big barbed wire fence with a deadly electric. Uh, uh, electric fence top on it mm. with signs all over the place and they have nobody coming across that fence illegally because you will die and they're serious about stopping that and armenia is a tiny country of two million people well if they can do it why can't we
1: mm, it's a great question chuck holden war correspondent for newsmax thanks so much for uh coming on the show and stay safe out there man it's a dangerous situation and god knows what it's going to look like tomorrow
2: my pleasure we'll see you.
1: Let me start here. New defamation suit against Fox News signals a continued legal threat. The suit was filed On behalf of Nina Jankiewicz, you might remember her name, she's the former executive director of a short-lived Department of Homeland Security division assigned with coordinating efforts to monitor and address disinformation threats to national security. So, you remember this, they kind of came out with a disinformation squad, everyone kind of freaked out about it, and and then they shut it down very soon after. Now they've moved these operations to other places, but you get the sense, you can remember this sort of controversy. Well, she's suing Fox News. Now... I only tell you this, it's not necessarily the most interesting story, but it's in the New York Times, and I want to give you just a sense of the way they framed it. Why did she sue? Here's what they say. Again, this is a news story, not an opinion piece. Right-wing pundits and politicians falsely portrayed her group as part of an Orwellian bid to control the speech and thought of ordinary Americans. Now, it's a very... Uh, sort of uh, negative way of framing what people were saying. There were certainly concerns, though, about government power. It used to be concerns very much shared by the left. I don't know when that changed. But the bottom line here, more than any of that, the group never got started doing their work. So how do we know what we were, what, what was accused of them was false? They never did it. They never They, they never got going. So we have no, no reason to understand whether they were going to try to do these thought control and speech control things or not. We have no idea. And this is how the media manipulates you every single day. It's one of the big problems Tucker Carlson was talking about in, in his uh, latest video. It's the reason why he's going to Twitter. Uh, He was, at least that was what he was talking about in his previous video. Um, now I want to take this over to the George Santos story for a second. Look, Up until, I don't know, a couple months ago, I've never heard of George Santos. I don't know who this person is. In fact, you may very well to this moment not know who he was. But he was elected as a congressman in New York, and he apparently lied about some aspects of his resume. He's admitted to those lies. And now the new update to that story is that he was arrested and he was charged with uh, fraud. The, The fraud story basically being that he took unemployment money while he had a job. Okay. the uh, the headline to this story is George Santos, an accused con man who happened to trade in politics. Again, really, really negative. Now, I will point out, point this out to you, first of all, that. If this congressperson, Republican or Democrat, was from Nebraska, you still wouldn't know his name. This is geographic bias. This story is only a story because the New York Times has written about it about 526,000 times. And so many uh, news publications around the country take their lead still to this day from the stupid New York Times. Why do we care about one congressman? This happens all the time. There's corruption stuff that happens all the time with congressmen. You read about it in the tip sheet from Politico, and then it's over. Instead, this George Santos thing drags on day after day. Part of that is politics, Republican-targeted. Part of it is it's such a small majority, so they really want to get this guy out of office. A lot of it, though, is just geographic bias. But the point is, on the day where the George Santos thing happened, and it was the lead story on almost every mainstream report, on that same day, Republicans had a major press conference discussing accusations against the son and the family of the president of the United States, including Many things that point to the fact that maybe the president of the United States received money from foreign entities while he was vice president of the United States. Okay, they don't have all the information yet. They're still going to get subpoenas. This was the first step in that process. George Santos got about 50 stories written about it. How did The New York Times cover those accusations against the president of the United States? House Republican report finds no evidence of wrongdoing by President Biden. That's legitimately the headline to their story on those accusations. I'm not making that up. That's really what their headline was. You know, we, we, a lot of times are critical of, of people that we know that are liberal because they just seem like they don't know anything. And like, how can they be so dumb and not know anything? Well, here's the thing. They don't know anything. It's actually real. They're reading this crap and they have no idea what's going on in any of these stories or what is important. This is a cartel we must bust up. You know, I do the show every day from Texas. I live in Texas, and I love Texas, but I never want to leave. But it gets really hot in the summer. And I got to tell you, you know, nobody's happy when you're, you can't stay dry down there in the under, underpants department. You don't want that. It's getting hotter and hotter. And there's nothing worse than being uncomfortable down there. It can ruin your whole day. But instead of throwing your hands up and yelling at the sky, when will science relieve us? You can just go to Tommy John. It's much easier. Tommy John, you're so much cooler. Uh, That makes everything better. Tommy John underwear is lightweight, breathable, has four times the stretch of competing brands. With dozens of comfort innovations, Tommy John keeps you looking and feeling cool all season long. From lounging at home, to outdoor spring and summertime fun. This is where Tommy John does not have customers. They have fanatics. I'm one of them. I love this stuff. There's, they sold over 17 million pairs of Tommy John because people love their, their underwear and they're very underrated. I would say loungewear. You want to lounge around the house? Nothing better than Tommy John. Plus, there's no risk because you're covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. off your first order at tommyjohn.com slash stew right now. 20% off right now, tommyjohn.com slash stew, tommyjohn.com slash stew. See site for details. Of course, that site is tommyjohn.com slash stew. Sometimes I feel like a cartoon dog uh, with fire all around me in a cafe, and I'm just sipping some coffee. This is fine. Because that's kind of where I feel like we are right now as a country. We're looking around and seeing all this crazy crap happening. We're like, oh, I guess this is fine. This is how it's supposed to be. No, this is not how it's supposed to be. Uh, Example number one, Dianne Feinstein. This is F-E-I-N. Fine. This is fine. Uh, She is back, I guess. And here's the picture. Uh, Dianne Feinstein returns. Uh, She is back in effect. And look, I have sympathy for someone 89 years old uh, trying to come back. She looks very, very sick. And I, I will be honest with you, I take no joy in telling you this. She's been my favorite senator for months because she hasn't been showing up for, and screwing up the country. She's the only one. Everyone else goes to the Senate and screws up the country in one way or another. Dianne Feinstein's just been home. She's been doing great. Uh, but look, there's a reason why she wasn't in Washington because she looks like this. Do so we have the pictures? Here she is, Dianne Feinstein. I mean, she can barely you know, get through uh, the most basic uh, functions uh, here is uh, here she is um, I mean like look she, this is I and mean, this is sad she should not be here she they are wheeling her back into Washington to vote for their bills which is disgusting I mean it's 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 legitimately despicable these people have no conscience no conscience whatsoever uh, it is revolting uh, here she is again I mean look I don't know she, you could see there's something seriously wrong with her face I don't know what's going on with her hand either her hand is... I, I, I don't. I don't know how this happens. I mean, it looks like America, American Werewolf in London, is what it looks like. I mean, look, look at the hand again. Look, look, look see. It's pretty. It's almost the exact same thing. I. <laughs> this is, guys. This is not okay. This is not okay. This is not how this is supposed to work. They're just wheeling in. Like half of the Senate on the Democratic side can't speak. What is happening to us? Back in a second. Okay, so here's what happened. You ever get behind a car and it's kind of swerving a little bit, not driving the way that they're supposed to, and you think to myself, yourself, like, oh, Jesus, this person, this person have too much to drink? You kind of back off of them, you're a little bit skeptical, you don't want to get near them. We've kind of been in that position before, right? Well, sometimes there are indications that that person is intoxicated, and that happened um, in this one particular case in Kansas because um, the Kansas driver in Bud Light beer can costume was arrested was arrested on suspicion of DUI. Here he is. Yes, he's out there taking <laughs> The te- he's dressed as a Bud Light can. We're all looking around for the person who did this. Yes. You're dressed like a hot dog. This guy's dressed as a Bud Light can. You think maybe he may have had a few Bud Lights. And yes, apparently there is still someone out there drinking Lights. So there you go. That's the upside of the story. If you happen to be an Anheuser-Busch shareholder, uh, by the way, you can subscribe to the podcast. We do appreciate it. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars, and drop a comment below if you're on YouTube. Ethan writes: Last month I gained five pounds, but this month I only gained 4.9 pounds. My diet is working. This is how we talk about inflation. Yes, yes, that's exactly how we talk about inflation. It's infuriating. It's about how we talk about. Pretty much every single thing when it comes to our finances. Uh, How about Joe writes, uh, who is this Fox News you speak of? Is this the one I stopped watching after election night 2020? Five stars, whatever, your stupid show. Uh, Another great show, The Blaze Rocks. Fox has officially jumped the shark. Uh, You know, a lot of people are saying that. And you know what? As I said yesterday, just make us into a multi-billion dollar uh, corporation and we'll handle all the coverage you need much, much better than Fox ever has. And we'll see you tomorrow.